Incoming presidential administrations get more advice and lists and recommendations than they can swing a cat at. But the Biden team is probably listening closely to one source, transition information from the Government Accountability Office. GAO has lots of online resources, not only for appointees, but also for new members of Congress. We get a rundown from the GAO's chief operating officer, Kate Sigurud. Kate, good to have you back. Good to be here, Tom. Thanks for the invitation. And tell us about what there is online there available to people coming into the government at elected levels, at appointed levels, or even Schedule C levels. Sure. So uh, the Presidential Transition Act does state that GAO staff can provide assistance to the presidential transition team. And so we do that in two ways. One is, is by a website that you just mentioned. We put information on our website with a specific link that is labeled as being for the new Congress and the new administration. And, of course, we also offer briefings to the transition team members that are associated with various agencies. We've often met with them in the past, and the offer to meet has gone out, and those meetings are happening over the course of the next week and until the inauguration. The website link has been available now for a few weeks, and it's organized around the major issues facing the new administration and the new Congress that will come in in January. Probably not a surprise that the major issues that we highlight are the coronavirus pandemic, a race in America, and the federal government and its response to economic downturns. And we, of course, have links to a variety of sources in GAO that provide more detail in all of those areas. But then, of course, GAO has much more detailed lists of real problems across the federal agencies and the operation of the government itself. Does that get a lot of attention also? I mean, racial issues and the pandemic and so on are kind of obvious for incoming people, but there's a lot of nitty-gritty things, which, of course, we all, you and I, delight in. But what about those incoming people? Do they care to learn deeply about the government itself? I would think so, and we are ready to provide whatever level of detail may be helpful uh, to new members of Congress and to the incoming administration. So we talked about those three main areas, but as you just pointed out, a successful approach to reform or taking on those problems in new and better ways really depends on the federal government's ability to manage itself to, in fact, make progress. So we talk about federal agencies needing basic building blocks in order to carry out these reforms. A couple of things that GAO has talked about a lot in the past. The first being that the federal government needs to have the human capital necessary to manage federal programs and implement reforms. We need the numbers of people, we need key skills, we need to understand where our skill gaps are, and we need to be nimble in hiring. So this is an issue around workforce planning and having the right people in the right place that has been on GAO's high-risk list for years. We also focus a lot on IT. So acquiring and managing IT efficiently is, of course, a core requirement for managing anything in the government. And uh, at top of mind this week is also having our cybersecurity posture uh, in good shape as well. I'm sure we're all thinking about that in light of the news about the breaches in both the federal government and in the private sector that have occurred over the past few months and that were revealed over the weekend and early this week. We're speaking with Kate Sigurud. She's chief operating officer of the Government Accountability Office. And when people are newly elected to Congress, I imagine that's a really bewildering experience the first time you actually come into Washington and there's all sorts of symposia and briefings and training sessions they have. Over the years, have you found that they're even aware of the GAO as a function and a 
property of Congress that can be extremely useful to them. Well, we take steps to essentially make sure that they are aware and to be helpful uh, to the extent that they want to follow up with us in anything. So the Controller General of the United States, who is the head of the GAO, typically uh, records a greeting and a video for members to tell them how to make the best use of GAO and the many products that we have. And of course, we have notified the entire Congress of the availability of the website that I've been talking about today. And we always make it a point to reach out very early in the new Congress to new members and to committee leaders to understand their priorities and interests uh, for the coming uh, two congressional terms. I imagine that a lot of the newer members would come to GAO once they know their committee assignments and figure, gee, I better learn about what this committee is dealing with. And if they can do just a quick search, they'll probably find GAO has vast numbers of research reports on whatever the particular committee is dealing with the topics. Absolutely. And actually, that's one of the reasons we set up the website and the link uh, related to the transition. I kind of think of this as a curated list of topics and reports, because as you well know, Tom, there are thousands of reports and topics you can find at GAO. We wanted to curate them and make it easier for them to navigate both on these three major challenges we talked about, as well as nitty-gritty management issues that are opportunities for them to conduct oversight of federal agencies. One of the things we do on the website that I think is really important is that we also highlight major bodies of work that GAO will be releasing early in calendar year 2021 that can also be helpful to them. Probably the most obvious is GAO's high-risk series. That will be issued uh, around the middle of February, and Congress has occasionally uh, referred to this as Congress's oversight agenda. So based on committee assignments and personal interests, I think members will find the update of the high-risk report in middle of February to be very helpful. Another very helpful resource, we think, is priority recommendation letters. Uh, These are letters that GAO sends to agencies every year that have significant non-implemented recommendations from GAO. So at our website now, you'll find a link to last year's letters, and we plan to issue those again late this spring. And then finally, uh, early in the calendar year, we will be issuing our federal fiscal update. So this is a report we've been doing for several years that draws on the latest information from the financial statements, from CBO, the president's budget, uh, the trustees of the Medicare and Social Security trust funds, among others. We talk about the state of the deficit and the debt and what are the major drivers. Now, we do acknowledge that for the current moment, as we try to fight the pandemic and help the economy recover, that now is not the time to be focusing on an immediate solution to our fiscal challenges. But we do emphasize that in the long run, a plan will be needed. I was going to say that's something, some areas that the GAO doesn't quite get enough credit for, maybe, is that knowledge of the fiscal area. And of course, there's the Congressional Budget Office, your smaller but more focused sister agency. And the other bank of knowledge that the GAO has is legal. There's long treatises on what happens during lapses and appropriations and what agencies can and cannot do. I guess you could throw the contracting protest function into that legal area, too. Do you get much interest in that at all? Well, I think that we do from new members who are, first of all, not aware that GAO has that appropriations law expertise and, as you pointed out, the bid protest uh, expertise. So this is something 
that we will talk about in doing any kind of orientation or initial brief we're asked to by new members or, or by uh, congressional committees. The appropriations law expertise is particularly important, and we play a very uh, important role in supporting the appropriations committees and as well responding to federal agencies that have questions about how to make sure that they comply with appropriations law. Of particular interest in the past year has also been our work around federal vacancies, um, and that's always of interest as we go into a new administration and the administration starts to make nominations and the Senate considers confirming those nominations. So the legal expertise is very significant, and we do want to make sure the members are aware of that as a resource. Also on GAO's website, we have a find an expert link, uh, which people can click to find the specific executives in GAO that have subject matter knowledge in different federal programs and agencies. Sure, and I guess if they're really lucky, they get an audience with Gene Dodaro, who is encyclopedic in his ability to recite chapter and verse of everything that's going on and across the programs. But many of the reports that GAO does are statutory and required year after year or at some interval. And then members can also request. How much comes in from the newbies that request things of GAO? Well, the protocols that GAO has for devoting our resources to developing new reports are primarily focused on those statutory requirements that you mentioned, Tom, along with requests that we get from leaders of committees. We support both sides of the aisle in terms of leaders of committees. But new members can make requests to be briefed on our issued work and to talk to any expert in GAO. And they also, of course, can team up with a committee leader to request work from GAO as well. So that is most commonly how we help new members by making our experts available and working with them and their committee leaders to respond to committee priorities. Well, it's an exciting time, I guess, for the government every two years, every four years. We're glad you're on the job. Kate Sigurud is Chief Operating Officer of the GAO. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to the GAO guidance at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.